read the first seven verses. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation. When at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way, afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy, the joy before thee according to the joy in the harvest and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken friends, for thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of peace, of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon the kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. For the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. For unto us, friends, a son, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You know, every time, every time I read this verse or hear this verse quoted, I think of Christmas. I think of Christmas. It brings me thought, brings thoughts of Christmas to me. You know, I can remember that verse being quoted even way back whenever I was in primary school and that's, that's 50 years ago, 40 or 50 years ago. They would quote it at the wee nativity play. That's whenever they'd done the proper nativity plays, Timothy. You know, with Mary and Joseph and with wee baby Jesus, with the animals and the kings and the angels and the shepherds with the tea towels wrapped around their heads. Isn't that right? Now they're doing plays about Christmas trees. And we furry lights and all the like. But I know our plays tonight and I know our play is going to be about baby Jesus. It's going to be about Mary, Joseph, the shepherds and the angels. Amen. Amen. But the start of verse 6 says this. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Friends, I know you know all this, but but this foretells the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. Isaiah gave this prophecy 700 years before the birth of Christ. In Isaiah 7 and 14, Isaiah prophesies, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. This messianic son would be born in a unique and marvelous way. He would be born of a virgin, friends, of a virgin, not by flesh, not by the work of a man, but by the Spirit of Almighty God, 
God coming upon her. A miracle, friends. A miracle of the Holy Ghost. And his name shall be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us, revealed in us. John 1 and 14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Revelations 21 and 3 says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will do it as his Christ. This is Christ we're talking about. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Friends, this babe, this babe that was born in a manger, born in a lowly cattle shed, born in the most humble of circumstances, is the greatest event ever in all of history. In all of history. It's the greatest event that man has ever seen or ever will see. It's God veiling himself in human flesh and becoming a man. We sung it earlier on. Think about it. God coming down as a little child, veiling himself in human flesh and becoming a man. The God-man Jesus. Philippians 2, 6, 7 and 8 says, Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but listen to this, friends. But made himself of no reputation. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. That's you and me. That's you made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Friends, he humbled himself. The God-man humbled himself. And died for you and me. You know, see, whenever I was reading about this and thinking about this, something very simple spoke to me. And I'm not going to be preaching on this because I want to keep our focus. I want to keep our eyes on Christ. I want to keep our eyes on the greatness of Christ and on the loveliness of Christ and of who this God is that we serve. But you know, friends, something struck me when I read about this, about this servant Christ, about the humbleness of his death. You know, Christ was born the most humble of births. And he died the most humble of deaths. He was born in humility. And he died in humility. Brothers and sisters, I really do believe there's something in that. There's something in that. I believe that there's something in that for us to learn of the humility. Of the humility of this great God that we serve. You know, friends, it pains me to say it. It pains me to say it, but humility is not something we see or, or, or experience too often in the church or outside the church. I'm only being honest with you this morning. Is that not right? The word says that humility is a sign of weakness. The word of God says that humility is a sign of strength. It's a sign of strength. The greatest man ever to walk this earth. Jesus Christ, our master, our Lord, our instructor, our guide, was the most humblest man ever, ever to walk this earth. And friends, he calls you and I, you and I, to walk in his footsteps. The apostle Paul speaking to the Romans says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Friends, if we say, 
If you and I say, and I'm pointing at myself here, if I say that I'm a follower of Christ, if you say that you're a follower of Christ, then we must put on Christ. We must put on Christ in everything. In everything that we say, do, or think. Christ walked that humble road. Everything he did, everything he said, everything of who he was, was clothed in humility. It was clothed in humility. And friends, he asked the same of you, and he asked the same of me. Matthew 18 and 4 says, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 23 and 12 says, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Peter says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you, from the preacher on the platform to the deacon at the door, yea, all of you, be subject one to another and be clothed. Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the, to the humble. He giveth grace to the humble. Matthew Henry said, Humility is that ornament which is in the sight of God of great price. Of great price. You know, friends, I believe that when, that when we, we, the people of God, walk this world in a, in a spirit of humility, in a spirit of love, then I believe it draws the world to us. It draws the unsaved to us. Not that they're looking at us, no. But they're looking at the Christ within us. They're looking at the Christ within us. This great Savior, this great Christ was born in the most humble of places. He was born in a lowly cattle shed. Isaiah says, for unto us, for unto us a child is born unto us. A son is given. Friends, who is us? Who is the us? Who is the us that the prophet is referring to here? You know, some believe that, that he's just referring to the children of Israel. But friends, I don't believe that for one minute. I don't believe that for one minute. I believe the us, the us is for all the people, all the people of the earth. Red and yellow, black and white, all. All are precious in his sight. This is God's gracious gift to mankind. I don't, I don't believe any single nation or people has an outright claim in this holy child. Friends, remember what it says in John 1 11. He came on to his own, and his own received him not. His own people, friends, the Jews, the children of Israel, they refused him. They rejected him. They wouldn't acknowledge him as the Messiah, nor believe in him for salvation. But look what it says in the next verse, John 1, 12. But as many, but as many as received him to them, gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. Friends, that's for everybody. That's for everybody. Jew, Gentile, whatever race, whatever tongue you're off, Christ was given to all. John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever, the whosoever covers everybody, it covers everybody that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world, the world through him might be saved. Friends, this Christ child, this Christ child was given for all. He was given for all a gift of love sent from God above. 
Isaiah goes on to say, and the government. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And friends, this speaks of strength. This speaks of royalty. It speaks of kingship. It refers to the ensign of government. It refers to the scepter or the sword of the keys that were borne over the shoulders and suspended from it. And the sense of it is that he, that Christ shall reign with all power. That he shall reign with all power. That the governments of this world shall be vested in him. Isaiah 22 and 22 says this. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder. So he shall open and none shall close. And he shall shut and, 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 and none shall open. Friends, this is a clear prophecy. Speaking of Christ and of the great power and of the great authority that Christ has. That he has the key of David. Wherewith he opens and no man shuts. And he closes and no man opens. Friends, his power in the kingdom of heaven is absolute. It's irresistible. It's uncontrollable. But what does that mean for you and I, the believer? What does that mean? Well, it means that we serve a God. We serve a God with unlimited power. With unlimited power. The things that seem totally impossible to our natural minds are possible with God. Do you hear that this morning? The things that seem totally impossible to our natural minds are possible with God. He can open doors in your life that need to be opened. And he can close doors that need to be closed. Think about it for a moment, friends. Think about it for a moment. Think of the most difficult situation or circumstance that you're facing right now. Think about it. The most difficult situation or circumstance that you're facing right now. That you're facing in your life. Doesn't matter what it is. Sickness. Sickness in your body. A, a situation or circumstance that seems totally impossible to you. An unsaved husband. An unsaved wife. An unsaved son. An unsaved daughter. A backslidden son, a backslidden daughter. Friends, it could even be a financial situation. It could even be addiction that you're hiding, but you just can't break free from it. Friends, it could be anything. Hear me this morning, it could be anything, but it seems impossible to you. But friends, let me tell you this morning, our God specializes in things that are impossible. He specializes in things that are impossible. He has a key. He has a key to unlock every difficult circumstance in your life. You hear that? He has a key to unlock every difficult circumstance that you're facing in your life. Sure, they can get an amen. You know, maybe you're burdened down this morning. Maybe you're burdened down with all the pressures of this Christmas time, all the worries. You know Christmas like, see it's the happiest time of the year. Let me tell you, they're not going to tell bells at each other. I mean, I know what it's like. I've been there in my house. I know what it's like when a drunk father comes through the door on Christmas Eve night and we're all up the stairs and he's absolutely land palatic at the bottom of the stairs. And then the fight starts. I know what it's like. I know what it's like when there's no money to buy anything. Friend, maybe you're burdened down with the pressure of it all. You're burdened down with the worries and curse of it all. Well, friend, can I tell you, our God carries the governments of this world upon his shoulders. He carries the governments of this world upon his shoulders. And he'll carry you. And he'll carry you this morning 
on you on his shoulders and he'll give you that expected end. But Isaiah goes on and he records five names. Five names that characterize this holy child that is born. And first of all, he says that his name shall be called Wonderful. Wonderful, the Messiah would himself be a supernatural wonder. Friends, hear me, the seven great wonders of this world can never, ever compare to the wonder of this child that was born. Never compare. Now that word wonderful in Hebrew is the word Pele. We've all heard it. Maybe some of you young ones might have heard that name or that word Pele, but I know some of us older ones would recognize recognize that name Pele. For Pele was one of, if not the greatest footballer ever to have played football. Isn't that right, Trevor? Pele, Jordy. But Pele, they say, was probably one of the best footballers ever to have played football. But you know, that word Pele means to separate. It means to distinguish or to make great. It's applied to anything that is great or wonderful. Like it's a miracle. You know, Pele was a great footballer. But friends, he could never, ever, ever be compared to this wonderful Savior. Never be compared to it. You know, that word Pele in the Hebrew is only used of God. It's only used of God and never used of humans or human work. This wonderful Savior was brought forth, friends, brought forth by the work of a supernatural God. And friends, wonderful, wonderful is such an adequate name to give him. For you see, he's wonderful in all things. Our Savior is wonderful in all things. It was wonderful love by which God gave him and by which he came. The manner of his birth was wonderful. His humility, his self-denial and his sorrows were wonderful. His mighty works were wonderful. His dying agonies were wonderful. His resurrection and his ascension were all given to wonder and adoration. Friends, a wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord. A wonderful Savior is he. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasures I see. He's a wonderful Savior, friends. He's a wonderful Savior. First of all, Isaiah says that he's wonderful. And then he says that he's a counselor. This holy child would be the incarnation of perfect wisdom and have the words of eternal life. As counselor, he would disclose the perfect plan of salvation. Such wisdom, friends, such wisdom and knowledge he has. Romans eleven thirty three says, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Colossians 2 and 3 says, and this is speaking about God, in whom are in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom, of wisdom and knowledge. Friend, are you looking for wisdom this morning? Can I ask you, are you looking for wisdom this morning? Are you looking for guidance this morning? Are you looking for direction in your life this morning? Well, can I tell you, don't even think about going to those psychologists. Don't even think about going to those counselors out in those streets out there. No, friends, there's only one person that you need to go to, and that's the great counselor. That's the great counselor, the mighty God. He will give you the wall, the wisdom, guidance and direction that you need for your life. You know, friends, you just need to find an altar. You just need to find an altar and go and seek his face. And I can tell you, you'll not come away disappointed. David said in Psalm 16 and 7, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reign also 
My reigns also instruct me in the night season. Isaiah 48 and 17 says, Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God which teacheth thee which teacheth thee the prophet, which leadeth thee, friends, hear me, I don't know, this is for someone this morning, this, I believe this is for someone this morning, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest, he's going to lead you, listen, don't trust in that arm of flesh, don't trust in me, don't trust in the pastor, but you trust in God, you trust in God, he says he's going to lead you, Whoever you are this morning, he says he's going to lead you. Friends, if we commit our way unto him, then he promises to lead us, to guide us, and to counsel us in the way in which we shall go. Friends, he's a wonderful, wonderful counselor, is he not? Is he not? So his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And then it says the mighty God. The mighty God. Friends, what a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. You know that the Hebrew word for mighty God is El Gibor. It's El Gibor, which means he is the one to whom all power is given. Friends, he is the omnipotent. He is the omnipotent God. He has unlimited power. And he's able to do absolutely, absolutely Anything, do you agree with me this morning? There's nothing. There's nothing too hard for him. This little baby lying helpless on Mary's bosom held the universe together. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Friends, he's the mighty God. He's the mighty God. And friends, I know it's a cliche with us all. But listen to me. There's nothing. Like Moses said this. There's nothing too hard for him. Friends, hear me, I know. I know from personal experience because I have experienced a touch, a touch from this mighty, you all know, probably you could tell my testimony better than what I can tell it, but this mighty God touched me. He touched me and he healed me. And friends, he saved my life. I'll be honest with you, I probably shouldn't be standing here this morning. I probably shouldn't be seeing Christmas this year. But this mighty God touched me. He healed me. And he, he made me completely whole. You know, I can tell you, there was total astonishment. Total astonishment and amazement among the surgeons, among the consultants, among the oncologists, among the anaesthetists, all those in that operating theatre. Total astonishment when they couldn't find that tumour, when they couldn't find any disease in this spiral. Friends, they were struggling. Hear me very clearly. They were struggling to find an answer or to give a reason for it all, for what had happened. But friends, the answer is very simple. Hear me, the answer is very simple this morning. I was touched by Almighty God. I was touched by Almighty God. And friends, this mighty God is still wanting to display his power through his people. That's you and I through his people. Today, Second Chronicles 16 and 9 says, His eyes run to and fro across the earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. Friends, he's looking for men and women. He's looking for young people so that he can display his power, his great power through them. And you know something? All he asks, all he asks is that we would believe is that we would just simply believe him, believe him and take him at his word. 
Do we believe him? I believe him. I believe every word, every word written in that book. I believe him this morning. I believe him. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. This wee babe, born in a manger in Bethlehem, is the father, is the father of eternity. He's the maker and creator of all things. John 1 and 3 says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Paul said in Colossians, For by him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things consist. Friends, he is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the beginning and he is the end. And he is our Heavenly Father. And he is our Heavenly Father. And he cares for you. This great God who set the world in motion, who set the sun, the moon, the stars in their place, who formed this universe just with the breath of his lips. Friends, he cares for you. He cares for you and he cares for me. Matthew 7, 11 says, If ye then, if ye then being evil, know how to get good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, shall your Father which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Friends, hear me. God, who is our Heavenly Father, will not disappoint His children. He loves us even more than a good earthly father loves us. And He wants us to ask Him for whatever we need. For not, not, not our greed. Not our greed, but for whatever we need. He promises to give us things that are good. Friends, He's a good, good Father. He is a good, good Father. He's more willing to give than we are to receive. He said, that, He said, if you call on me, I will answer. I will hear your faintest. You know, you may be weak this morning. Maybe you haven't got a voice this morning. Maybe you're just so weak spiritually in yourself. Well, friends, God says, if you call on me out of the depth of this heart, even if it's just a whisper, He says, then I'll hear you, son. I'll hear you, daughter. I will attend unto your friend. God cares for you. He cares for you. He watches with concern every detail of your life. He watches the trials and the struggles, and he'll give you the grace and he'll give you the help to see you through, to see you and to help you through. Friends, he's our heavenly father. He's our heavenly father. And finally, but not least, it says that he's a prince of peace. He is the prince of peace. You know something, friend? There'll be no peace on this earth. There'll be no peace on this earth until he is reigning. We can have peace in our hearts, but not on this earth until Christ is reigning supreme. Friends, he is our peace. He is our peace, for he has broken down Every wall. Jesus said it in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Are you afraid this morning? Are you troubled in mind this morning? Are you troubled in heart this morning? Well, friends, Christ says, 
I'll give you peace, son. I'll give you peace, daughter. You know, friends, we live in a world. We live in a world that is not at peace with itself. We live in very, very turbulent times. And I don't think things are going to get much better. But to the contrary, I think things are going to get much worse. They're going to get much worse in this world. There is an uneasiness. And there is a restlessness in many hearts today. And unfortunately, you can see it creeping into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about the church worldwide here. Many hearts, many hearts seem to be troubled. But brothers and sisters, we serve a God who is the Prince of Peace. We serve a God who is the Prince of Peace. Ephesians 2.14 says... For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Friends, Jesus Christ is our peace. He made peace by the sacrifice of himself. Friends, hear me, the peace that Christ gives is infinitely more valuable than that which the world gives. The world's peace brings, begins in ignorance, consists with sin, and ends in endless trouble. But friends, the peace that Christ gives begins in grace. It allows no sin and ends at length in everlasting peace. Oh, to have the peace of God. To have the peace of God resting in our hearts. Maybe you're troubled this morning. Maybe you're troubled, as I said, by the busyness and stress at this Christmas time. But friends, can I say, take a moment. Take a moment. And let the Prince of Peace, let the Prince of Peace fill your heart and fill your mind. You know, I like what Corey Ten Boom said, Patricia just showed me it yesterday. And she said this If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll find rest. You'll find rest. Friends, let's look to Him this morning. Let's look to him. For this is what this Christmas time is all about. It's all about him. It's all about, it's all about that wee baby that was born in a manger. Born to take away our sins. Born to be our saviour. You know, friends, I've only skimmed the surface. I've only skimmed the surface in this scripture reading this morning. There's so much to be said about this great Christ. This wonderful saviour. Came to save you and me. This king of glory left his throne on high. He was despised and rejected of men. To bear your sin and mine. Yet in it all and through it all. He's the healer of hearts. He opens the blinded eyes. He makes the lame to walk. He, he, let, he makes the deaf to hear. He calms the storm. He brings peace in the midst of trouble. Friends I could go on. I could go on and I could go on. But you know all I can say? He is the altogether lovely one, isn't he? He is the altogether lovely one. He is the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. You know, friends, I said it earlier on, but I should not really be standing here this morning. I shouldn't be standing. I should be dead. I should be dead. But you know, I stand amazed and so humbled that who am I that this king of glory would bleed and die for me? Who am I 
that he would heal me and preserve my life. Friends, all I can say is amazing. He's amazing. He is amazing this morning. Friends, as I close, I ask you, what think ye of Christ? What think ye of this little baby that was born in a manger? What does he mean to you? Is he your peace? Is he your king? Is he your heavenly father? Is he your counselor? Is he a wonderful saviour to you? Friends, for us, the believe he's precious, isn't he? Isn't he? He's precious to us. There's nothing that can compare with him. For unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace is he. Amen. Could we stand, please?